0: to gamble on the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com I'm Eric Raskin usbets managing editor and media director and I'm joined by our senior analyst Pulitzer Prize finalist John Brennan and after nearly three months of sweating the Milwaukee Brewers World Series chances since you bet them at 20 to 1 we're one Dodgers win away from breaking even on the whole deal Uh, on the one hand good thing you hedged Maybe you should have hedged bigger. On the other hand, the Brewers could still pull this series out. And on the third hand, if the Dodgers win and we break even... It all feels a little like kissing your sister, uh, which I feel comfortable saying because I don't have any sisters. Uh, how are you feeling about the Brewers bet and the Dodgers hedge right now, John?
1: Uh, I have two sisters, but I'm not going in that direction. Um, <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs> on another note, um, yeah, I, I just I just felt like the Brewers reaching the final four is something where if they lose at this point, I don't want to walk away losing all my money. I mean, uh, it, was a, it was a good pick. It was a good hunch. Uh, it worked out well so far. It still has a chance. And so uh, I definitely am happy with the hedge regardless of what happens. And uh, I'm
0: not dead yet. Right. Uh, you you could have even done like a, a double size hedge so that you win no matter what. But the problem with that is then if the Brewers get to the World Series, now you have to hedge really big in the World Series. And you're just uh, really cutting into your profits one way or another. So, yeah, this seemed a, a pretty safe hedge. Either, either break even or still be in a great position going into the World Series. I'm satisfied. Okay. But above all. I just don't want to see the Red Sox win the World Series. It's enough already, Boston, with all the winning. Understood. (laughs) Okay. So uh, thank you to everybody out there for joining us for episode number 11. You can find any of our previous 10 episodes on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And the best way to make sure you never miss an episode is to subscribe to the show. Uh, But whatever you do, we ask you to please download responsibly.
1: Uh, yes, Eric, and uh, you know later in the show we're going to be joined by Pocket Five's editor in chief, Lance Bradley. Uh, he's going to talk about the state of poker and Lance's various projects. Uh, but first, we have a lot of news to cover, so let's start the show.
2: Here's your Gamble On News of the Week an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling.
0: Okay, it's been a busy news week, lots to discuss, and here's our top story. Uh, Not that he had to try very hard, but David Rebuck made fools out of us. Uh, He promised that the New Jersey September sports betting handle numbers would be quote unquote stunning. Uh, So I asked you to set a line last week. And you set it at 375 million, which seems crazy now. Uh, And I took the over, which seems even more crazy now. Uh, (laughs) The actual numbers were released last Friday 183.9 million in handle, a 92.3% increase over August. So there's clear growth there. But given the addition of football and a half dozen new mobile sports betting apps, it's far from stunning uh, and arguably even a little bit of a letdown. John, what's your take on that figure and whether it should be viewed as a successful month for New Jersey sports betting? And are there any other numbers in the DGE report that caught your eye?
1: Uh, well, uh, keep in mind that I dialed the, the over-under number down from 450000000 million. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> sure, nope. I'm thinking about it overnight, uh, uh, Thursday morning. A uh, couple of things here. Um, I know David Rebuck reasonably well. Uh, he's the sports fan, but he's not really a gambler. So he knows that uh, football is going to increase the margins significantly, but I don't think he had the – Easy 100% increase, no matter what uh, number in mind. So when he thinks stunning, he thinks, well, you're up 92%. That seems stunning. So uh, the other factor really is that uh, I didn't find this out until a few hours later in Las Vegas on the final panel from joe asher of william hill but um a lot of the mobile apps actually including monmouth parks and william hills their partner uh got stuck in the app store waiting approval line uh for almost the entire month of september uh basically DraftKings and fanduel they got marched through right away because they already were approved on the daily fantasy sports side and of course their numbers were both in the millions and really tremendous Um, but the other numbers were much smaller uh monmouth park their uh their revenue page listing had (laughs) 70,000 in revenue. So uh, really that's definitely a factor. Um, Plus the, the near ban on on on-site betting at the Meadowlands and NFL Sundays probably has taken a toll. Um, That's going to matter less as more people get familiar with the apps and people realize they can go to any sports bar and, and bet they don't have to go to the Meadowlands sports bar and bet. So, uh, you know, and finally there's, there's no initial indication that people are playing online slots, that those people are diverting some of that money to sports betting. The the numbers for for online casino gaming were strong again. uh, That's basically not the same customer. Uh, You can uh, insert your uh, blue-haired ladies joke right here, but uh, uh, this did not hurt uh, online casino gaming numbers for New Jersey, which are, are still very strong.
0: Right. And you mentioned last week that uh, knowing David Rebuck like you do, that he can be a little conservative with with this sort of stuff. So, you know, his definition of stunning and our definition of stunning uh, could be two very different things. I do wonder uh, about the number and. I wrote about this on Monday. It's all relative. It's all about perspective. It seems the mainstream media sees 183.9 million as a great success. And it's maybe just us who are entrenched in this stuff every day who are a little disappointed by it. Um, But for me, I I, I do absolutely blame Reebok uh, for throwing my expectations (laughs) off. If he hadn't said anything. I might have guessed 200 to 250 million. I still would have overshot the number, but only by a little. Uh, so if he hadn't promised stunning, uh, I would only have been the mildest bit disappointed on Friday. Um, but looking at you know some of the some of the sub numbers that came out in the report, the big one for me is that online has already surpassed live. And you wrote about this. Um, it's not surprising, but it's really important. Uh, 105 million. Versus 79 million. Uh, so now everybody knows mobile is, as promised, where the real money is at.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a matter of customer awareness, as I said. And I think uh, you get, you sort of get a, a snowball effect. More and more people, especially millennials, they now know somebody who's already signed up for it. They're already doing it. They may be out socially on a Wednesday night. And, of course, they're always looking at their phones anyway. But in this case, it's, oh, I just got my bet down. And somebody says, "Oh, can you do that online now?" You know, they don't—they weren't aware of it—and boom, they sign up. They've got a hundred apps on their phones, anyway. So right. they <laughs> sign up for a couple, and uh, yeah, and then it's—and and then their friends and their friends. So this is going to go uh, pretty exponentially in the next six months, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to keep increasing month after month. And and another thing worth noting uh, among those various apps is that DraftKings is kicking FanDuel's butt right now, and everybody else's butt in terms of mobile revenue. So clearly being first to market mattered, you know, it could change over time, but for now it was worth the rush for, for draft It,
1: it, I'm the exact example. Um, you know, I'm yeah. sort of in this business and I signed up for DraftKings and, uh, uh, don't tell Fanduel, but I haven't signed up for them yet. <laughs> I mean, I will, and I'll add some others. But uh, it's it's a fairly simple thing. I you know I have one spot to go. I'm not a, a a high volume better or a high number better. So yeah, I can get a better number somewhere else. And if I'm going to do it for a living, I need to do that. But right. you know, I'm in the casual category.
0: Right um, now, I have signed up for both of those two. Um, but with DraftKings, I never funded my account. I al- I already had money sitting in my DFS account and just uh, played with a little of that in the sports book. Um, but i did put money in on fanduel because they had so many great promotions and still do uh, they that they're really appealing to me in terms of a lot of bets where you've got the insurance that if you lose the bet you're still getting a free bet out of it and some some specials like they have one tonight where if you bet on, on the Lakers for a minimum of $50, you'll get $3 in credit for every point LeBron James scores. So if the Lakers win, it's a huge victory, uh, and if, if the Lakers lose, you only need LeBron to score 17 points in order to in order to break even on the bet. So they have some fun stuff like that going on. So the, I, I'm, I've got money on both of those accounts. But, um, but still, you know, it's how many accounts can you have? Are people going to be signed up on six or seven different mobile sports books checking all the lines? Seems unlikely. Seems so far, at least, people are, are, are going with one and, and using that for now.
1: Yeah, it's a it is a golden time for serious betters. I mean, they should definitely be looking into all these promotions. Uh, they can get double their money, you know, up to two hundred dollars, up to a hundred dollars. Uh, some of the other sort of gimmicks you talked about. Um, if they're serious players, um, they can really start out way way ahead this season, and then uh, just be smart about it from there.
0: Yeah. Okay, moving on to our second story of the week at a meeting of the Nevada Gaming Control Board on Tuesday, state regulators proposed several amendments to their regulations, most notably one making it so that you can create and fund an online gaming account remotely, which would end the current hurdle in the state, forcing would-be betters to appear in person at each casino for which they'd like to open an online account. This seems a clear case of New Jersey's success spurring Nevada to get with the times and try to keep up. And the big potential beneficiary is DraftKings. Uh, DK Sportsbook is number one in New Jersey right now, as we just discussed. But they don't yet have a land-based partner in Nevada. They'll still need to partner up with somebody. But now it can be a smaller brand, it can be off the strip, and it doesn't matter. This would let them get their foot in the door. What's your reaction to this news, John? And do you expect this amendment to get passed in the next several months?
1: Well, this reminds me of New Jersey up until about... Oh boy, six or seven years ago, the Atlantic City casinos were dead set against any kind of legal online gambling, uh, online casino gambling in particular. And uh, they finally did enough market research to realize they're two different customers. And so they ended their resistance. And uh, of course, New Jersey got online casino gaming in 2013. Uh, the casinos now. Profit handsomely from that. In fact, sometimes they only make money in a given month because of the the online casino gaming area. So now we have online sports betting, and um, I'm a little surprised that the the big boys are backing this, like MGM and so on. Uh, as your expert Dan Bach of Roto Grinders noted in your article on USBets.com, uh, that's sort of the competition, and they're they're sort of letting them in the door. Um, so DraftKings is killing it in New Jersey, as you note, know, and I think they may be able to do so in Nevada as well, but. You know, in the end, this adjustment was inevitable it's it's twenty eighteen everything's online uh, so uh, it just makes sense to go through and and i I think it will in the next couple of months,
0: yeah um it, it seems to be pointing in that direction and uh yeah i agree with you it's kind of a case of what what took so long except that i guess they needed to see someone else do it first before they felt spurred into action but um yeah D- dan bach had some uh really interesting uh observations uh when i interviewed him uh, about this and uh, one thing that he said is that he really thinks DraftKings is dead in the water in nevada without this change um so so that's uh you know the this, this is everything for a company like them in terms of whether they're going to get a foothold in Nevada and be one of the leaders out there. But uh, as, as we're seeing uh, in New Jersey, uh, DraftKings is, is winning in a landslide so far. So this opens the door for them to uh, perhaps have a similar impact uh, out west.
1: Yeah, both DFS companies really are, are kind of uh, cleaning uh, traditional casino clocks and uh, on sports betting. And uh, that'll, that'll keep up, I think.
0: Yeah. All right. Our final story this week, John spent the day yesterday in what became known in our Slack feed as hearing hell. He watched the streaming video of a sports betting hearing in Washington, D.C. in the morning, then washed it down with a long, very long hearing in Illinois in the afternoon. Uh, He also was writing this week about the hopes or lack thereof for sports betting in Connecticut. So lots of state by state news to hit here. What are your big takeaways, John? And uh, go ahead and set some lines for when you think we'll have laws passed in these various jurisdictions.
1: Hopefully, I I have a little better time with uh, these lines than uh, <laughs> last week. Uh, yeah, about two hours of Washington D.C. testimony and a painful four and a half hours in Oof. Illinois. It was that was rough. Yeah. So um, in Washington D.C., uh, the legislators uh, on the committee uh, or the city council members actually uh, already seem to have the lottery run sports betting concept down pat. That's what they're going to do, just like Delaware. The Delaware will run it uh, in spite of uh, DraftKings and uh, FanDuel representatives showing up. Uh, they they kind of know what they want to do. And another important issue is they, want, they know where they want the money to go. Uh, the, they want half of it to fund education and, and child care for children age three and under. Um, and the, uh, talk about pre-K, this is a little different. And the other half uh, would go to the arts um that's not well defined but it seems to be <laughs> uh prevailing sentiment there's talk about um you know too many great artists in dc have to move they can't afford it and 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 so on so it's a pretty progressive uh, agenda but the point for sports betting uh, aficionados is that they they know where they want the money to go. So that really limits the number of remaining issues. Um, I think they'll get a bill passed very early next year. Uh, Oddly enough, Congress gets a 30 day veto option on any, uh, anything passed by the Washington DC city council. Um, But uh, I'm told that's not going to be an issue. And then the technical stuff begins. Um, I'd say their goal will be opening day Redskins uh, fall 2019 football, and I'm going to estimate that some glitch will delay that for a month. So let's say October 2019. Um, Illinois kind of reminds me of Pennsylvania last year and years before, although uh, in both states, uh, in both uh, jurisdictions yesterday, they, they mocked Pennsylvania's st- uh, high tax rates and said they mm-hmm. won't make that mistake. Right. But um, you know, last fall, Pennsylvania actually somehow passed a kitchen sink gambling bill that legalized online poker and hypothetically sports betting at the time um other measures too um illinois lawmakers that's why the uh the hearing lasted so long they didn't just talk about sports betting uh, there's the future of the state's dying horse racing industry uh, make it racinos put slots in other kinds of supplements um they have some sweepstakes machines out there kind of murky legality that uh, uh there's something thrown into a, a bill that might make them legal and they're kind of uh uh not paying in tax revenues there's a lot of controversy about that um so many tangents there so it looks like another one of those states that will get bogged down and then distracted um illinois could really get the jump on the whole midwest on this but uh, with sports betting but i don't i don't see it uh, any sooner than 2020. um they're they're just uh, a little too distracted uh finally connecticut you know uh new mexico has tribal casinos and so when the federal law disappeared uh, the federal ban disappeared in, in May. It turned out that the, the compact of the tribes in New Mexico didn't outlaw sports betting. Um, it's any class three betting can be can be done in, in tribal casinos there. So um, so they, they just started it this week at, at one tribe. Uh, but Connecticut's compact just lists what's allowed, and sports betting is not on that list. So um, the tribes who own Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun, their two existing casinos – They've been pushing for a monopoly on sports betting, too, since before that May Supreme Court ruling. Um, so this could get messy. There will be lawyers, I suspect, unless the tribe lobbyists do a, a really terrific job. Um, Again, here you have neighboring New York State, which would be crucial for what Connecticut does, is to sleep at the switch, at least until next spring. Uh, I think that leads to inertia in Connecticut as well. Uh, you know, a Greenwich re- resident can drive about 40 minutes southwest to Mawa, New Jersey, pull over to Truck Stop and some nice restaurants on Route 17 <laughs> or Route 202, and pop in their bets legally as they watch a ball game, and then uh, then head back home. But uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do it in uh, Connecticut anytime soon. Uh, this is really, it's tough to set a line just because it comes down to the lobbying power of the tribes which is pretty solid in in connecticut so um i i, I can't set too specific a number but they, i can see them getting it possibly sometime in 2019
0: hmm. okay um yeah it's funny you mention uh, the the arts the money going to fund the arts i'm pretty sure podcasts falls under that so uh i i think uh money generated from gaming revenue should absolutely go to fund podcasts that's a uh, That's that's my big platform that I'm going to get behind. Um, And uh, given what happened last week with you setting lines and me trying to go over under, (laughs) I don't think I'm even going to take a a big chance on going over under on any of these. You certainly know what you're talking about with these more than than I do, having sat through all those hearings. And uh, uh, the listeners just got a scoop on your Connecticut article before the actual article goes up. You gave some of the information there. So I'll just say all that stuff sounds uh, pretty feasible and accurate. To me, uh, the only one that maybe, maybe it seems like there's a a chance that something could happen to spur Illinois into action sooner. It it doesn't seem like it based on uh, what you reported from yesterday's hearing, um, but you just wonder if as next football season is approaching, if they might go into hurry up mode, wanting to be ready in time for football season. Doesn't seem likely, but I suppose of, of any of the lines you set, that's the one that maybe it'll come in a little earlier than you're projecting
1: okay stick with that eric
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay well this has been fun but uh, i'm ready to talk a little poker uh let's get to our interview
2: it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling let's get to the gamble on interview Through
0: 10 episodes of Gamble On, we have yet to bring on a guest whose main focus is poker, but we're remedying that today. Joining us now is Lance Bradley, who is the editor-in-chief of Pocket Fives. He was the longtime editor-in-chief of Bluff Magazine, and at the American Poker Awards this past February, he was named Poker Journalist of the Year. He also wrote a book that came out in June titled The Pursuit of Poker Success, Learn from 50 of the World's Best Poker Players. Lance, welcome to Gamble On.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on. This uh, This is a lot of fun.
0: Cool. So uh, in your intro there, I listed uh, both your current and previous title. You've now been the editor-in-chief of Pocket Fives for about three years. Uh, The site has always been heavily focused on rankings and serving the online poker community. I'm curious, how is being in charge of content at Pocket Fives different than your previous job doing the same for Bluff?
2: I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head there in the intro that uh, Pocket Fives for the longest time has been like a mainstay of the online poker community. That's been their their, fo- their focus and uh, all of their attention is paid to rankings and who's doing well and uh, big tournaments coming up. So uh, at Bluff, it was more of a, a broader scope that I had where I could I could do a little bit of online coverage. We could do live coverage, uh, all kinds of different players. But at Pocket 5s were a little bit more narrowly focused on exactly what's happening in the world of online poker.
0: Okay. Were there any challenges initially to the adjustment, or was it a pretty easy leap for
2: you? I mean, towards the last couple of years at Bluff, uh, our focus even shifted a little bit more to being uh, really U.S.-centric. And at Pocket mm-hmm. Fives, we've got such a uh, a really strong audience in what we call rest-of-world markets, which means everybody but the U.S. So <laughs> it took a little bit to, to get back up to speed on some of the screen names, maybe, that I wasn't as quite familiar with uh, as I had been in previous years. Gotcha.
1: All right. Uh, Lance, uh, you know, I go back to Really, 20, 2009 to 2012, I would say, when uh, there were efforts in New Jersey to get online poker. And, uh, of course, that happened in, in 2013. And and really, at the time, the focus for legislators and even lobbying and all that was, was just online poker. And then, oh, yeah, we have online casino gaming, too, like like Delaware uh, has. And uh, then uh, pretty soon, New Jersey got up to about uh, $2 million a month in, in revenue uh, from poker. And then uh, it just stagnated, um, while the rest of the casino, online casino gaming, exploded. You know, from being you know a little larger than poker to five times poker to ten times poker to you know fifteen times poker. I mean, it, it's it, it, that that part, slot, online slots in particular, has really jumped. And yeah, uh, you know, the latest figures I think I saw in New Jersey, uh, online poker not even hitting the two million number. Uh, you know, what what's kind of gone wrong, and and what uh, uh, what can be done if anything to uh, to get New Jersey on the right track? They've done so well in other gambling initiatives.
2: I mean, I think uh, part of that is if you go back to when they were first considering even the the, the, re- the legislation in New Jersey, the numbers they were throwing out for exactly how much revenue they're going to make were um, so terribly wrong. <laughs> they were just astronomically high. And I think that anytime numbers came out in the first little bit, it was like, oh, wow, these numbers are terrible, but they were growing. And they're like those numbers were never going to be reached. They were um, pie in the sky type numbers that I'd, weren't based on anything that uh, had in relation to reality, um, but I think what you're seeing now in the market is, you know, poker when uh, Black Friday happened, so uh, 2011, you know, there was uh, a certain demographic of younger players that were playing it. When you cut that off for three, four, five years, um, that group of players that that turns 19 every day, uh, they've found other things to do. They're more distracted by uh, social media, by other apps. They've got poker isn't as hip and cool as it is. Uh, uh, as it was you know, in 2007, 2008, 2009, leading up to that stuff. So I think what you've got to do is find a way to make poker seem um, like the game that uh, everybody fell in love with you know, 10, 15 years ago again. And I think part of that comes down to the marketing and the attention you put on it. And I think what we're seeing from some feedback from some pocket fibers in New Jersey is maybe uh, the operators have sort of stopped putting in the innovation to the product that I think they were hopeful or expecting. Hmm.
1: Uh, Yeah, one note on that, Uh, Governor Christie did have some uh, presidential ambitions around that time, and uh, there was a feeling that the $180 million a year (laughs) estimate uh, just might happen to uh, be convenient for setting a budget, uh, but uh, I'll leave that at that.
0: Um, So let's talk about your your book, Lance, uh, The Pursuit of Poker Success. Uh, I know you interviewed 50 poker players, which is in itself an accomplishment uh, as an East Coast guy with a family who keeps a normal working schedule. Uh, I know how hard it can be to get poker players to sync up with you. Um, Anyway, two questions. Uh, Which interview subject most took you by surprise with how insightful he or she was? And who was your white whale who you, you wanted badly to interview, but you just couldn't get him?
2: Oh, okay. Um, I'll take the first one first. It uh, Adrian Mateos was uh, a little bit different than anybody else in the book, I think, because I'd actually never interviewed him before. Uh, I think of the 50, I'd probably spoken to 49 of them, either after winning a tournament or during a tournament or during the WSOP in downtime at some point. But Adrian Mateos, for whatever reason, we just never crossed paths. And uh, I definitely wanted him in there because he was just doing so well at such a young age. And I met up with him in Las Vegas in December and I left the interview like wanting to uh, mortgage my house to give him the money to go play tournaments with (laughs) because he was just like, this is a kid that at 14, 15 basically said, I'm going to be a professional poker player. And because I can't play right now, uh, I've got, you know, three, four years to um, build a base of knowledge and figure out what it's going to take to be successful. Once I can actually, you know, play a high volume, play regularly live and, Uh, He did everything he could up till that point. And then when he turned 18, he was like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm moving to London because I can play online there. I can play live there. It's easy to travel from there. So that's what I need to do to be successful. And I was just really impressed by how – uh, zoned in and, uh, reality based. He was at such a young age. Whereas, you know, some of the other players over the years that have had success early, they they just aren't based in reality. They win a big million dollar tournament. And, you know, you're hearing stories three months later that they're broke and unable to even get bought into a tournament. So, uh, I was just really impressed by his maturity and sort of the level of focus he had at such a young age. Hmm. Um, the second question is also pretty easy to answer because Ben Tolerine is a guy that uh, I have, have a ton of respect for, but he doesn't do a lot of interviews. We've spoken over the years, but we've just um, never seen him go really, really in depth with anybody. And I dropped him a couple of emails and got no response, which I kind of expected that happened. Um, but I kind of expected him to go a little bit radio silent. And then finally, I realized that uh, I was interviewing Jason Kuhn, who's like a really good friend of his. And I said, "Hey, Jason, just need a quick favor. Can you just... I, all I need is a reply, either." no, I don't want to do it. Or yeah, let's do it Monday. And like we hung up the phone and five minutes later, Ben's uh, response was in my inbox. He's like, I'll do it Monday. Uh, Let's just book from three till four and off we go. And I was just like over the moon that he was in the book because he's just such a talented player and he doesn't do a lot of interviews.
0: Okay. So, so you, so Ben was, was one who was tough to get, but you did get, Uh, I'm also curious who, who was the one you didn't get uh, who you who you who you really wish you could have? Uh, if if you if you had to release a second edition with fifty one, who's the guy? Who's the guy or girl who's uh, who's getting in there?
2: I mean, I'd obviously love to get Phil Ivy in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, you know, when I drew up the the list of fifty, he was definitely on there. But I also understood that at the time he had the legal issues both in New Jersey and in London, mm-hmm. and wasn't really being the most uh, out there with the media. And so I kind of just crossed him off and said, when I get down to having forty five done. I'll reach out to some connections I have there and see what happens. And uh, I, I did the reach out and got uh, zero response, which I was completely expecting and yeah. ultimately okay with. If I could have him in the book, it'd be great. If I do a second edition, I will chase him to the ends of the earth to get him in there. Gotcha. Uh,
1: yeah, that's a good segue because I've been writing about uh, Phil's Borgata saga for uh, in the courts for more than five years, and uh, it's actually going to continue into next year at the U.S. Third Circuit Court of Appeals. That's him winning the ten million dollars uh, at Borgata in Atlantic City with a uh, Asian woman who is the only one on earth who can detect the imperfections <laughs> on the back of mini baccarat cards, and uh, it's quite a saga. It should be a movie, and that's why I would want to. But uh, my question is, uh, you know, for a couple of years there was a feeling that. Uh Nevada, Delaware, and New Jersey having online poker didn't really impress the mainstream states because those are three very gambling-centric states traditionally. So, of course, they have it. They have all kinds of betting and all kinds of different gambling. And then when Pennsylvania finally signed on, uh, the sense was, well, that's a traditional bedrock state uh, that is the Keystone, literally, uh, and that then other states would want to follow through because, well, we don't trust those other three states, but Pennsylvania is a regular state just like us, so we can do it. But uh, it's been a little slow. So, I mean, do you see any states legalizing in 2019? And if so, which which ones might they be?
2: I mean, the the dream narrative, which you're sort of touching on there, is that Pennsylvania gets everything up and running for let's let's hope January 2019. And at some point, it releases some numbers that really impress uh, regulators and legislators uh, in that state right next door, New York, which uh, I think once you know, New Jersey's on board, Pennsylvania's on board. It kind of makes sense that they're next. But that's also like the dreamer in me that wants that population to come on board and, and join up and make for you know, some actual liquidity in the U.S. Uh, regulated market. But I don't know if that's realistic because I think there's a lot of stakeholders there that are, are being a little bit stubborn and trying to do things uh, their way instead of uh, the right way. And it's it's created some roadblocks. But, um, you know, you, you hear whispers that Michigan's considering it, that Illinois is considering it. And, uh, you know, you look west to California and I've been around long enough and covered that state a little bit. And I know that that's a, a pipe dream of pipe dreams, that <laughs> there's just too many uh, obstacles and too many people wanting – uh, their own cut of, of the pie that there's, you know, there's 200% of the pie needs to be doled out and that's just not, uh, it just doesn't work. And so unless something radical happens in California, that's not going to happen. But I think, you know, for now I'm, I've got my eyes to New York and I'm, I'm hopeful that something happens there.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm a little cynical knowing, uh, probably too much about Albany and the fact that they have done nothing on sports betting yet. Really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's complicated. It's not a great look at, uh, United States governance when you go, go to these state houses or, or listen to these hearings and, and realize this is a you know relatively trivial matter on, on the grand scale of uh, life, and um, they can't even get this stuff done. So <laughs> that's just been my reluctant observation.
0: All right. Well, uh, this has been a great conversation. Thanks so much for, for joining us, Lance. And if, uh, if people are looking for a copy of The Pursuit of Poker Success, obviously they can find it on Amazon. Uh, is there another site uh, that we should direct them toward?
2: Uh, dnbpoker.com they're actually the publishers they're really good guys they're sort of a grassroots poker company and I love supporting them and you can also get it at most Barnes and Nobles these days gotcha All right, fantastic
0: well uh, congrats on the book and thanks for coming on Gamble On thanks for having me guys appreciate it thanks Lance.
2: two men men. $10,000 will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll We'll
0: get to the Fast Five shortly, but we start, as usual, with our shared bankroll, where there's mostly good news, although we have one complicated item to address. We had two results come in, both winners. Uh, I had Zach Ertz over 11.5 FanDuel points. That won us 100 bucks, And John had Alabama to cover a 27.5-point spread. That also won us 100 bucks. However, my $100 bet on LeBron to win MVP parlayed with the Lakers hitting the over on wins has been voided. Uh, I tried to place the bet in New Jersey on one of the mobile sites, and it got rejected. Uh, When the parlays are correlated like that, so clearly in the better's favor, the books don't go for it. Um, So I'm not surprised by this, but when I was playing around on the site last week, putting in the bet just to see what the odds would be, it gave me the odds, so I figured I must be able to make the bet. Uh, nope. Turns out when you try to actually do it for money, that parlay is no good. Uh, so that one is off the table, unfortunately. In other futures bet news, we had a bad week with our Browns and Dolphins win total bets, but we had a great week with that Todd Gurley MVP bet. We got him at plus 1800 a few weeks ago. He had 208 rushing yards and two more touchdowns to give him a league-leading 11 through six games. The Rams are now the only 6-0 team in the league, and Gurley is all the way down to plus 700 now with the third-shortest MVP odds on the board behind only Patrick Mahomes and Drew Brees. All in all, we are down $200, and we have 1765 locked up in futures bets, so we have 8035 available this week. And I'm up first, and for my first bet this week, I'm getting behind my 76ers uh, tonight, $110 to win $100 that they'll cover an 11-point spread in their home debut against the lowly Chicago Bulls. The Sixers played a really sloppy game in Boston on Tuesday. I wasn't expecting them to win, but they just performed horribly, and I'm sure they're hungry to bounce back, not slip to 0-2, and put on a show for the home fans. And this was a team that generally took care of business against bad teams last year. An 11-point spread is no sure thing, but it seemed a better bet to me at 110 than risking seven hundred dollars to win a hundred on the money line, uh, so I'm going with the Sixers to cover that eleven point spread tonight.
1: All right, Eric, I'm having some success with my college football plays, so I'm going to try a couple this week. Okay. Uh, first one is uh, Purdue, uh, plus 13.5 points uh, against Ohio State. Uh, Purdue's been feisty this year, and they have a freshman phenom, Rondell Moore, who really gets to make a national name for himself against an Ohio State defense that is a bit inconsistent. Um, you know, Like you are suggested, uh, no money line here. It's kind of hard to picture Purdue winning outright, but uh, the Boilermakers should be on full boil to at least cover the spread.
0: <laughs> I like what you did there, full boil, um, and <laughs> (laughs) and And I I will defer to you on all of these college football bets and whether they are or aren't are good ideas. Uh, Like you said, you're you're having a pretty good uh, track record with them so far. So I don't know. uh, I'm no expert in college football. Uh, I'll go with it. Purdue plus 13 and a half sounds good to me. For my second bet, I wanted to do another FanDuel fantasy point prop bet since I got Zach Ertz last week. And in real life, uh, I made some money on Todd Gurley going over on Sunday. I think I have a decent feel for when they're setting a line too high or too low. But as of our Thursday recording time, they haven't posted this week's Fantasy Point props yet. So instead, I'm going to make a money line bet on one of this weekend's games. I'm betting a lot to win a little on a favorite. You might not like it, the fact that I'm going to risk $500 of our bankroll to win $100 but I just don't see the Rams losing to the 49ers on Sunday. The Rams have cut it close on the road the last two weeks. They haven't covered the spread, but C.J. Beathard and the 49ers are a softer opponent, and even if the Rams don't totally dominate, even if they don't cover the 11-point spread, they ain't losing. So money-wise, it's a risky play, but I'm confident enough to make it. Give me $500 on the Rams at minus 500 to win the game.
1: Hmm. I may have something to say about that in the uh, fast five, but uh, <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, let's stick with this segment. Uh, my other uh, college football game is
1: uh, Memphis getting nine and a half points at Missouri. Uh, you know the uh, Memphis had a, a really tough loss for Central Florida last week, and this is really a shot of redemption. Uh, Missouri defense has been a failure basically in a three-game losing streak, and and they'll go give, give up plenty of points again. So uh, uh,
0: Memphis with nine and a half seems like a, a fairly safe bet. All right. Uh, And now we will move on to the fast five. After week five, you were 13 and 12. I was 8, 15, and 2. And we both had winning weeks, though you extended your lead over me going 4 and 1 while I went 3 and 2. Uh, So you're at a profitable 17 and 13 through six weeks. I have my work cut out for me at 11, 17, and 2. And I'm up first this week. Uh, My home dog strategy blew up in my face last week. There were some home dogs that prevailed, but I picked the wrong ones. Um, One of one of my short my one short home favorite pick did work out, though, last week. So I have some short home favorites on the docket this week. My stone cold lock of the week is washington favored by two and a half at home against dallas no reason this line shouldn't be three that extra half point makes all the difference in the world i'm kidding of course about it being a stone-cold lock uh but to me it's the it was the most obvious line on the board to jump on taking washington i'm a little less confident that the ravens will cover their two and a half point line at home against the saints But they have the best defense in the league so far this year. Uh, Good defense, especially at home. Usually trumps good offense. I'm taking Baltimore to cover. And one more short home favorite. I think the move is to keep betting against Eli Manning until he gives you reason to think he isn't completely washed up. The Falcons are favored by three at home. This is a must-win game for them. Give me Atlanta over the Giants. This next one is dicier. Anything can happen in these London games. But... The Chargers are clearly one of the better teams in the league. They've only lost to the Rams and the Chiefs. They take care of business against lesser teams. And I'm now thinking the Titans qualify as a lesser team. I don't love the six-point spread on a neutral site, but still, the Chargers are rolling. They manhandled the Browns in Cleveland last week. I like them to keep the momentum going in London. And for Mm -hmm. my last pick, how did the Bears lose to Brock Osweiler last week? And how could I pick a team that lost to Brock Osweiler to hang with New England? Maybe I'm putting too much stock in one game, but the Pats are three-point favorites on the road, and they're really starting to look like the Pats again. Josh Gordon is making a difference. I expect New England to cover here. uh, Despite the overall winning record uh, against the spread this season of home dogs, I'm going with the road-favorite New England Patriots. All right. Yeah, you you have me leaning
1: on a couple of these. Uh, I was tempted on the Chargers. Three extra time zones uh, just kind of scared me a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't go there. Uh, I guess the Redskins, uh, Alex Smith, uh, his last 10 games after week five, uh, playing against a top five defense, he's won them all. It's an amazing stat. So <laughs> wow, that is take, a really random stat, but I like it. <laughs> you'll, you'll take heart from that. But I, I just don't quite have a feel for those two teams yet. So uh, my number one pick, I'm actually going with the Bears plus three. <laughs> ah, all right. Head to head. Uh, in in okay. your face against the Patriots. Um, <laughs> as I've noted before, uh we get a full field goal at home just because Brock Osweiler did have that fluky good finish. It was very much in the heat in Miami to edge the Bears in overtime. Uh, the Bears just defense just uh, ran out of steam in, in a unusually warm uh, climate for uh, for the day. So uh, the Bears could be, maybe should be 5-0. I'm not fully sold on the head coach yet, but uh, I guess I'm poking the Belichick Brady bear, you might say, with that one. <laughs> uh, so number two, uh, uh, Bills plus six and a half at the Colts. Yes, Derek Anderson, a quarterback for the Bills versus Andrew Luck. But guess what? The the Bills otherwise clearly have a better team. Uh, The Colts shouldn't give that many points to anybody, not even the Bills. Um, Jaguars, I'm giving four and a half against the Texans. This is kind of a hunger bowl. Um, Jaguars are on the brink after two terrible losses. Texans are happy to be back in a saddle after a slow start. Uh, Give me the angry team here, and that's the Jaguars, minus four and a half. Uh, Then um, Rams 49ers. Rams minus 11. Uh, it's not like me to pick a line like that. And if the 49ers offensive line was at all healthy, I, I might be tempted on them, um, but they're just decimated there and the Rams will make them pay for that. Obviously uh, CJ Bethard is not as bad a quarterback as people think, but, uh, and I think I will ride the 49ers at some point, but just uh, not today. So I'm backing you up on that one. All right. Uh, finally, also Falcons minus three versus giants as, as you had as well. Uh, I just don't see these teams as evenly matched. Um, which this suggests uh, the Falcons have issues, but the Giants offense remains a mess in spite of having uh, Barkley and Beckham. And uh, you mentioned uh, Eli, uh, you know, if he's not over the hill, he, he can see it uh, uh, in the near view mirror. <laughs> yeah. <for> sure. <laughs>
0: Um, well, despite our one head-to-head with uh, Chicago and New England, we're otherwise we're we're really on the same page this week because Buffalo and Jacksonville were both among my honorable mentions that I almost went with. Uh, p- particularly Jacksonville, I, I was really close to going uh, on that one, and Buffalo. I just with it looks like T.Y. Hilton's coming back, that made me a little hesitant to to take the Bills. But yeah, I I, I like all your picks except the Bears. I guess we'll see uh, uh, two men enter, only one leaves uh, on that one. You haven't beat me head-to-head head all year, so i got to keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Maybe maybe this is my week. Probably not, though. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to all of you for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore Bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. And with that, John, do your thing and take us out. All right, everybody, until next time, gamble on.